All right, good evening. How's everybody doing? Good? We good? I see some heads nodding. I hear a few rattles. I guess we're okay. Let's go ahead and stand as we open up in prayer. Thank you for being with us online tonight. We are glad that you've tuned in. You know, hey, I remember a day when we had more in here than we actually had online. <laughs> but thank you for being with us, though. Um, let's open up in prayer. How many have a prayer need that you'll just uh, raise your hand tonight? Um, let's do pray. Uh, we've got some folks that are headed out of town, and if you've watched the weather, uh, you know, there's some potential inclement weather coming in, and uh, we want to pray for them, uh, safe safe passage to where they're going and and back home. Uh, let's pray for all the ministries on campus tonight. All the uh, We had an incredible uh, team leader meeting last night and a lot of good vision for 2024, a lot of ministry taking place. We we're excited with our uh, all the ministries here at the church. And uh, so all the ministries tonight, let's just pray that, that uh, God would be with them in a special way. Father, tonight we are grateful uh, Lord, for the privilege to be able to come together in your house and to study your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for the day that you've given to us. Lord, every day is a new opportunity to see uh, your grace and mercy. Lord, as the word says, that your mercies are new every morning. And for that, we're very grateful. And thank you for the, uh, that we live in a, uh, a nation that allows us to assemble together anytime we want to. We can come and we can worship you in freedom. And so, Father, tonight we rejoice in that. And I pray, Father, as we, again, open up, uh, with, we, we do so with a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, you've been faithful. You've been good. And, Lord, I thank you for the past victories that we've had. Uh, Lord, but today we stand once again in need. Lord, all the hands that went up in the building tonight, those that are online, uh, Lord, represent need in our life today. And I thank you that you're, you're enough. Not just enough, you're more than enough. I pray for those that need a healing touch tonight. Father, that you extend your healing hand. I thank you that healing is part of the new covenant. And you said, by my stripes you're healed. Lord, we claim that and we stand on your word. So, Father, I pray where there's physical need that you, uh, that you heal and that you touch. I pray, Father, for those that might be discouraged on this Wednesday night, that you encourage them. Lord, that you would uphold them with your powerful right hand and give them a new song, a song of praise unto you. I pray for those that need a financial miracle tonight. And Lord, those that are going through chaotic situation, Lord, I just pray that you would be, uh, at Christmas time we talk about the Prince of Peace. Lord, just be that, uh, the Prince of Peace. Lord, speak peace, Jehovah Shalom, uh, in, into our lives and bring that inner tranquility that lets us know that everything's going to be all right. We pray for those that are traveling, those that are going to have to be out during the uh, forecasted weather. Be with all the ministries tonight, Lord, with our youth, our children, our women's Bible study, our music. Uh, Lord, in here in this Bible study, Lord, just be with us. Be exalted in all that we do and all that we say. Thank you for hearing us, listening to us, and responding to our prayers. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. God bless you. you may be seated tonight. Um, go ahead and one, once again turn to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, as we continue on with our series, I started. It's just a short series, probably just for the month of, of January. But uh, we're talking about a firm foundation. And uh, I, uh, I'm a little down tonight. My apologies if I don't seem as jovial. Uh, some of you may have seen the news. Uh, Nick Saban, Alabama's coach, retired. And I, I, <laughs> I feel like, uh, I know, you're like, I don't care. Uh, but I do. <laughs> I feel like I lost a family member. <laughs> I feel like I lost a family member. Um, but, uh, no, I'm just messing with you. Uh, in wave announcements, don't forget tomorrow is our, and, and have you seen the weather? <laughs> 70 degrees tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, supposed to be, we're, so we're doing our food distribution tomorrow, uh, first one of the year. It will be at Yellow Jacket Stadium, uh, be there at 930, and we'll get everything prepped and ready to go, and we'll distribute. We'll have food for 200 families, uh, so we're excited uh, about kicking off this year with the ability to serve our community once again. Uh, so we want you to do that. Then don't forget, uh, um, there was something else. I got to start writing these things down. I do want to toss this out. I think I've mentioned it before, but on February the 25th, uh, and you're going to hear a lot about it cause it's very, very important. Um, I know we don't have Sunday nights, uh, except for special things, uh, periodically, but on February the 25th, that Sunday night, we are welcoming back the Watoto, uh, children's choir. They are an African children's choir out of Uganda, uh, one of the orphanages we support. Many of you actually support 
or have in the past supported some of the children through their sponsorship program, uh, but they have not been able to travel since COVID. So this is the last time we had them, I believe, was in 2017. So it's been a few years ago. If you've never seen the Watoto, and that's what it means in, in their language is the children. Uh, it is a children's choir. They will bless you. You will want to adopt them. Uh, some of the most, in fact, when my, when my kids were small, uh, the first time we had, had them here, I was so impressed with their behavior and their manners that I wanted to swap my two for their two, you know, two of theirs. <laughs> um, and, and if you met them, you, you would understand. So that's, that's Sunday night, February the 25th. Uh, we're going to do a community uh, event and, and uh, welcome the Watoto. Uh, free event. We are going to receive an offering for the orphanage. But uh, just, just make note of that. I, I know that you will bless them. I try not to. I know we're a busy church. We have a lot of things going on. But there's some things I say, hey, you really don't need to miss, uh, like Sunday morning. But anyway, we'll, let's, <laughs> uh, let's, <laughs> I'm telling, by the end of this year, jokes will be better than they are in January, I promise you. No, I just, so, so we're talking about a firm foundation. So let's read our text tonight, Genesis 1, we're going to look at verses 2 through 5, and uh, it just simply read. again, most of us have read this, if you've read the you know, a number of times, it says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw the light and it was good and God divided the night from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. Now, as I said, we're, we're doing a short series, just again, just kind of kick off 2024, um, and then we'll get into little lengthier studies. Wednesday night is one of those opportunities, and get, somebody asked me about, what do you do on Wednesday nights? A lot of churches will have prayer meeting, they'll do worship and prayer, nothing wrong with that. But when we started pastoring here in 1993, I lived in Duncanville. I was bivocational, so I was a health inspector in Irving. At that time, of course, Sheila was well back then my wife, and so she worked FDIC, downtown Dallas. It was during all the SNL crisis and all that stuff. She was a lit tech, uh, litigation technician for FDIC, and so she worked downtown Dallas. I worked in Irving. We lived in Duncanville. We drove down here every Sunday and Wednesday for about two and a half years. So I got to, when, as the church started growing, you know, in my mind, you know, I wanted to do something that People felt comfortable coming to Wednesday night service, uh, and and if you had children, letting getting your children home and in bed. How I many know oh, rest is important for your children? And after fifty, <laughs> so I, I'm discovering that you know. Uh, so so we you know there was a decision made that you know we're not. I, I remember the first time I mentioned to the board, let's not let's not do worship. We tried a few times down through thirty years of pastoring here. We. Uh, we tried doing some worship at first, and we even initially received offering. You know, I mean, who ever thought coming to church without receiving an offering? Well, I said, look, let's not do that. Let's get in there, and from 7 to 8 o'clock, let's do midweek service. So that, and let's stay consistent so that families can bring their children. They can be a part of a youth group, a kids group, a Bible study, whatever. Get out at a decent time and get home where they can get in bed and get ready for school. And it's worked. That's the modality we've kind of used for the last 30 years. And I enjoy doing that. I enjoy that format. I like to teach. Um, so anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but that's, <laughs> that's we, we started this series last week. And what we're doing is we're looking at the foundation of our faith that has endured since the beginning. And if you remember last week, I pointed out that uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to to look around and discern that we are that the foundation of faith that is once passed down uh, is under attack. It's under attack from the outside, and it's under attack from within. I, again, I mentioned it last week, and I'll say it again. How who who would have ever thought that mainline denominational churches would be splitting over the inerrancy of Scripture or the authenticity of Scripture or or, or what whatever? Who would have ever thought that? that the doctrines of Scripture, Christian doctrines, that have long held Christian beliefs would be scrutinized and thought, 
not relevant today. And yet, that's where we are. And, and I think it's important that if we're going to have a, a year, a spiritual year that we really want to have and grow in our discipleship and walk with the Lord, then, then we have to build on foundation. Listen, you can cut corners if you're building something. You can cut corners in some areas. But you better not cut corners on a foundation. Because if you cut corners on a foundation, you're going to pay somewhere down the road. I mean, how many of us have come across buildings that were rendered uh, uninhabitable simply because the foundation gave way because they cut corners. Maybe the rebar wasn't set up properly or maybe they didn't use the right size. Anyway, the foundation's important. So we've seen the foundations of Christianity under attack like never before. Now, it's always been scrutinized, always been debated, but now it's open to where we are We're doing what Isaiah said. We've kind of flipped to where now we're calling evil good and good evil. You know, the first time I heard a couple of years ago, one of the talking heads on TV called me as a believer, a terrorist. I thought, me, I'm saying us in general, that Christians are terrorists, that we're, we're the threat to the country. That bothered me. Oh, there's some people that misbehave in the name of Jesus. Again, I, I don't discount that. There are people that do stupid things uh, thinking they're doing it right. But I don't, know, I, I don't go around purposely hurting people, looking for opportunity to hurt people. In fact, most of your benevolent organizations, your hospitals, things like that, have all started through Christians. All started through Christians. You know, again, as I, I noted last week, modern believers today, and, and again, it's not just happening, and that's the thing we have to pay attention to. It's not just happening out there. It's not just the people of the world. Listen, if it was the people of the world acting like the world, we shouldn't be bothered by it. We should be bothered when the church acts like the world. You know, so, so uh, as I noted last week, modern believers are not holding to sound doctrines, and they're not holding to the faith that was once passed down. So for this series, we, we're, we're going all the way back. We're going back to the book of Be- uh, Beginnings, Genesis, which is the book of Beginnings. Uh, and, and the thing to remember is that Genesis is more than the first book of the Bible. It is the foundation upon which the rest of the Bible is built. That's an important truth. Because if you get it wrong in Genesis, you're going to be wrong down the way. Down the way. You know, again, Genesis 1 simply starts out, and people say, well, where did, where did God come from? Well, the Bible never sets out to try and expl- explain where God came from. It just, it, it just simply makes a statement, in the beginning, God. It's assumed that people who can look around and see the, the, the complexities of creation, it's just assumed that we're smart enough to know that if there's an intricate design, there has to be a designer to do it, Right? So it, it doesn't debate that. It just simply starts with the assumption that everybody's smart enough to know that in the beginning, God, and then it gives the story. So, so uh, again, it's not just the first book of the Bible. It's essential that we understand that we were born by divine proclamation. You know, we weren't, we weren't an accident. We weren't uh, the result. We were not the results of, of time, epics. It was a divine decree that created all that there is. And that's the foundation. If you get the foundation wrong initially, you're going to err down here. And so that's why I'm saying we're going all the way back and look at some of the foundational truths. So, so we start again with the declaration that God is, and from this declaration comes all the other truth. The first truth is God is. And out of that flows my purpose, my destiny, my reason for being, my value. All of that flows from that one statement, the first essential truth, God is. So tonight, we're going to look at another theme um, in the first few uh, couple chapters of Genesis, and actually just a few first few verses. We're going to talk about the light. I was going to do this. Jeff, do me a favor. You know how to turn the lights off? Do you, go push the button. All right, so hang on just a second. Yeah, so she, the bottom button. Oh, yeah. No, they're fancy. They put, I like a flip switch. There's the buttons. So 
the bottom button. Okay. Well, yeah, see, this doesn't really work because the ambient light is, go ahead. So the third, uh, the fourth button, top button, go ahead and push that again. <laughs> there we go. I was going to do something. It didn't work. I forgot we have so much ambient light here. But, but how many know light's important? Anybody ever been afraid of the dark? Afraid of the dark? You know, some people are, you know. I, uh, some people just don't like the dark. When, <laughs> when my daughter was born, I'd seen uh, some, of my, some of Sheila's relatives have children that were afraid of the dark, and I watched the end product of that where they were 12 years old still sleeping with lights on. I like to sleep when it's dark. I like it dark. <laughs> so when he was talking, oh, you weren't here. So we had a funeral here on Tuesday, and it was a former pastor here, one of, who built this church. Uh, he's been gone a long time because I've been here for 30 years. But he was talking about in the back of the building there, upstairs, on the other side of the hallway, there was, used to be an apartment. And there's no windows up there. And I'm telling you, when you turn the lights out up there, you can't see your hand in front of your face. That's good sleeping. That's good sleeping. Except for the fact that this building creaks at night. And it'll, it'll scare you. <laughs> So, so we used to, how, do, how did we live in Duncanville, come and pastor? Well, that's how we did it. We would come down oftentimes on Saturday, uh, if we, you know, meeting families and things like that, and we would stay, my family and I would stay in that apartment upstairs. And I've shared this with you before, but one time my wife and children had gone to Louisiana to visit with her family. I was here by myself. I had a meeting that night. I came down uh, to my meeting on Saturday night. I went upstairs, got ready to go to bed, and I turned the lights out, and again, it's dark like this. And this building is, has metal construction. And so as it cooled off, it starts popping. And it sounded like somebody's walking down the hall. It did. And I'm not a scaredy cat, but that really kind of bothered me. I kid you not, at midnight, I pack my stuff up, drive all the way back to Duncanville <laughs> to get some sleep, and drove back down the next day. <laughs> Uh, you know, but we, we don't like dark. When I was in the military, we did blackout training. We did, we did night exercises. You know, we would go out. They'd stick us out in the, when I was going through survival school. You know, we get, they dropped us off out in the jungle, said, you, you've got 10 days to go from here to here. These are the objectives that you have to pass. And then they leave you there with a map and a compass and your gear. And you're thinking, Lions and tigers and bears. Hey, good, you guys are good. <laughs> we, don't like, we don't like dark. You know, light's important. Light's important. It's important for all of God's creation. In fact, light, light is essential to our very health and well-being. Light regulates our sleep-wake cycle. It produces vitamin D. It produces our circadian rhythms. Uh, the, the, the biological clock, that's what that is. It, it, produ it, it produces that. It gives us our sleep patterns. I found an article from National Geographic some years ago that was entitled The Power of Light. And here's, what, here's how it in, uh, was introduced. And I quote, it said, light reveals the world to us. Body and soul crave it. Light sets our biological clocks. It triggers in our brains the sensations of color. Light feeds us, supplying the energy of plants to grow. It inspires us with special effects like rainbows and sunsets. Light gives us life-changing life -changing tools from incandescent light bulbs to lasers and fiber optics. Scientists don't fully understand what light is or what it can do. They just know that it will illuminate our future. Another one continued on and said, There has been light from the beginning in all of its forms, visible and invisible, it saturates the universe. No one is exactly sure how to describe it. It is a measure of light's importance in our daily lives that we hardly say anything about it. Light is almost like air. It is a given. A human would no more linger over the concept of light than a fish would ponder the notion of water. There are exceptions, certain moments of sudden appreciation, when a particular manifestation of light a transitory glory appears, a rainbow, a sunset, a pulse of heating light, heat lightning at night, the shimmering surface of the sea at twilight. Usually, though, we don't see light. We merely see with it, <laughs> end quote. Again, our text tonight says that the earth 
was without form and void. And what was the next phrase? And darkness was over the face of the deep. One pastor noted that when it came to creation, here's what he said. He said, the creation story is cast in the form of a prose poem. It is written in terse, controlled phrases with rhythmic repetitions, the slow ascent of the cosmic drama culminating in the creation of humanity. So, so tonight, let's kind of unpack some verses. Now, again, if you're not a science person or, you know, creation type thing, this may, but, but it's interesting because light is very important. And it's interesting to me that the very first thing God does is says, let there be light. Let there be light. So, so let's talk about, number one, the darkness. In verse 1, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. So God created the universe. And then in verse 2, we pick up a description of what's taken place there. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, what does that mean? Well, without form literally means empty. It literally means empty, barren, formless. And then void means a lack of boundary, okay? So what he's describing there is that when God created the heavens and the earth, there was a process. It was like, it was like uh, taking a, a connect, uh, one of those connect sets that kids have that are magnetic, and, and they're p- pieces that are scattered. You know, when, when you, you, you put that down, and it's really not a great analogy, but all of a sudden, when you get close enough with the opposite poles of, a ma- of magnets, they attract each other, and all of a sudden, you get this, whew, as things come together. That's kind of what he's describing. When God created, here's what happened. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, on, the, on the top of the empty formlessness, the Bible says darkness was upon the face of the earth. What does that mean? Well, darkness often symbolized disorder. Disorder. The deep refers to this primeval ocean as it kind of roared and raged together. One commentator had talked about the earth as a shapeless, um, he said it was as shapeless as liquid water. <laughs> kind of gives you an idea right there. Jeremiah 4.23 kind of pictures a, a, an undoing of creation. In the future, here's what he says. I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. Isn't it interesting? In the beginning, God created, and God said, and then in some time in the future, he said, I looked on a saw, and behold, the earth was without form and void and dark. You know, many planets in our solar system are empty and dark. Jupiter, by the way, Jupiter is 90% hydrogen, 10% helium. It's been, it's been referred to as a turbulent place, a stormy place, a whirlpool of wind. Um, similar to Jupiter, the earth was uninhabitable. It was uninhabited. It was unfinished, and it was unfulfilled until God fashioned it. When he spoke and things started boiling together, it had nothing until God finished the, the act of creation. It was also dark. It was desolate. It was deep before his design was fully developed. Now, I, I will tell you an honest disclosure. Some of you, I, I know many of you here are very re- well-read people. You like to read and study. Uh, there are competing theories about Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to jump into those because the historical Christian view is that in the beginning God created, that that was the initial point of creation. There are some that believe that God took millions of years to create um, the earth, creationists believe it's a, 20, it's a literal 24-hour period. Uh, I believe Jesus is Lord, and that's what we settle on. We're going to preach the, I'm going to teach the, the historical uh, viewpoint of the church. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me how Genesis opens up. It speaks of the darkness, it speaks of the deep uh, but at the very end of the Bible, in Revelation 21, you know what it says? It says there's no more seas and there's no more darkness. I told you last week, look at the bookends. Look at what happens in Genesis and then flip over and see the corollary in, in, in Revelation. Let there be light. You know, well, initially, darkness, emptiness, void. Over here, there was no more sea. There was no more tumultuous existence and there was no there was no. There was no darkness. There was no light. 
and we'll understand that here in a moment. See, God formed creation on days one through three. He filled or finished creation on days four through six. Matthew Henry, how many has ever heard of Matthew Henry? Matthew Henry writes this about this verse. He said, God created the frame and the furniture of the universe. He created the frame and the furniture of the universe. Isaiah 45, 18 says, he did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Let's look at God's spirit. Now, another thing we observe right off the bat in the very beginning was that, again, when God created, all the, thing, all the components started coming together. Out of nothing, everything is made. It starts brewing, coming together. God is not aloof. I've, I say that often. God is not somewhere out in the cosmos, you know, waiting for, he's not, he's not tw- tw- uh, you know, what do they call that? Toiling the sun, not doing that. He's not detached from his creation. Uh, in fact, we see that in the second thing here, God's spirit. He's not some de- uh, detached deity who, who simply flung the things into existence from a distance. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Bette Midler years ago sang a song from a distance. And I thought that was the most ungodly song. <laughs> God's not from a distance. He's not, he's not watching me from a distance. He's with me always. His spirit abides within me. So we don't serve a God who sits out in the distance. And, he, and even in creation, the act of creation, he's not sitting up there flinging things into existence. In fact, uh, he's involved. He's not a mere cosmic force. He's personally involved. Uh, and he took what was formless and empty. And as Matthew Henry said, he filled it with his furniture. That's what he did. Um, look at the second part of verse 2. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Hovering is an interesting word. Uh, now, the word spirit is pneuma. Okay, that's the Greek word, pneuma. It means wind or breath. So the breath of God was hovering over the face of the deep. It would be like this. It would be like, how many has ever gone up to your, your child and they're on the floor playing and you just kind of get over them like this? That's hovering. It's annoying. But, <laughs> you know. As, as you get older, when you're young, when they're small, that's fine. As you get older, leave me alone. But that's hovering. That's kind of the idea that, he's, that, that he picks up here. Hovering creates a sense of expectation. And the, the expectation is something big is about to happen. So, so when God created and all of a sudden the formlessness and the void and the darkness and all this stuff starts brewing, the spirit or the breath of God is hovering over, anticipating what is about to happen. I always say that expectation is the breeding ground for the miraculous. You know, how many times do we come to church truly expecting an encounter with God? I, I really believe that every Sunday could be the turning point in our lives. It, maybe not for in, in mass, maybe not, maybe not everybody in particular, but I believe that, that, that people, can, I, I truly believe there are people that have missed out on what God wanted for them because they weren't here. Again, I'm not legalistic. I'm not saying that. But I believe that at any moment, God can change the course of our lives. Because if he was at the beginning over the darkness of the earth, hovering, waiting in anticipation, I believe he does the same thing with us. I believe he's hovering over us. Um, You know, again, in the darkness, there's that movement of the Spirit. It goes back and forth. He's hovering, watching, and waiting for God to reveal himself in this explosion of light. Again, I, I think when we get to heaven, we, we're going to, again, the Bible says we're going to have full understanding. So we'll understand all of, these, all of this stuff. Right now, we can't put our, wrap our brains around it. But, again, the Holy Spirit is hovering, the breath of God hovering in anticipation as God is about ready to, uh, to, to explode in all of creation with, with light. You know, that word hovering is in the intensive form. And what that means is that God's spirit was, was uh, moving continually. He wasn't static. He was moving. The Bible says he roams, what? To and fro. He's moving over. Over that primordial muck, God's spirit was moving. God, through the spirit, personally was personally present and attentive as he hovered over this unformed, lifeless material that he births into being. It's interesting. Psalm 104, verse 30 says, When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face 
of the ground. Talking about the Spirit's activity. He cares for his creation. If anybody ever t- tries to convince you that God is somewhere on his throne and he's not really paying attention, you know, there, there is a philosophy or there's a, a theological strain of thought that God has wound up the universe, you know, kind of like one of those wind-up toys that, you know, kids used to have. You wind it up and you let that thing go until it runs down. That's not the God of the Bible. I mean, right off the bat, you see that God's involved. You see the Spirit of God hovering over this, this creation. I, I love the way one writer pointed out, and I think, th- I think this is a good analogy because in verse 2, uh, again, God's Spirit hovering. He says that, he said it's a great way to look at it from a personal perspective that in the dark and dis- disordered places of our lives, the Spirit of God's doing the same thing for us. You ever been in a place like that? You ever been in a place that was disordered, chaotic, dark? You know, Psalm 23, 4 says, even though we walk through the deep, dark valleys of life, guess what? I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. He's still hovering over the chaos in our lives individually. I mean, this was all a creation, but think about what he does for us. When we're facing the unknown or the unpredictable, we just need to know that God's there in the dark, hovering over us, helping us, uh, and so we can trust him in those trying times. Though it might appear God is hidden, you know what he's doing? He's always caring and, and preparing those empty places, always doing that. Uh, remember, Jesus, when he went to Calvary, you know what he did? He willingly walked into the pitch black wrath of God, and he stayed there until the work was done. That's what he did. He took our spot, walking in the dark of the wrath of God, and when he said, it is finished, that's when he was done. I like how John Piper, John Piper said this. He said, God is always doing thousands, 10,000 things in our lives. And you may be aware of three. <laughs> that's probably pretty good. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. He goes on and says, God is always at work. Sometimes we get to see it. Oftentimes we don't. Uh, we, we just have to remember that God is at work. In fact, Jesus himself said in John 5, 17, he said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So just trust the process. If your life is filled with darkness right now, if it's filled with chaos and disorder and disconnect, just pick that imagery up that the Spirit of God is hovering. Again, not static. He's moving over. There's a song the youth sang when they led worship one time. Uh, and I've, Come rest on us, Spirit. Of, I don't remember the name of it, but a beautiful song. And it kind of picks up that idea. The Spirit of God just kind of hovering, just kind of moving uh, as we go and and, and navigate through this deep, dark world that we live in. So that was the dark. So, so the third thing, let's look at his voice. So, so we have the order, okay, God created. We've, there was darkness. But then God did something really interesting. I, I heard a story about a little, little boy who was spending a night with his, with his aunt. And uh, she was kind of like me um, in the fact that when they went to bed, turn all the lights out, dark. And the little boy, her, her nephew, was in another bedroom, and it was pitch dark. And, and so he cries out in the middle of the night. He says, Auntie, would you please, would you please talk to me? I'm, I'm scared. It's dark. His aunt responded and said, well, what good would it do? You're in another room. You can't see me. The little boy said to his aunt, he said, well, that doesn't matter. When you talk, it gets light. I thought, <laughs> that's good. When you talk... It gets light. In verse 3, when God talked, it got light. That spirit hovering over the darkness, the chaos, the disorder, when God talked, it came into order. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. The word said literally means decreed. Or willed, let there be light. It's interesting that phrase, and God said, is ten times in the creation story. Some people have called that the Ten Commandments of creation, and God said, 
Ten times. Step by step by step. God brought shape and structure to his creation all for his glory and for our good. That's what he did. In the original, it's kind of interesting because if you go back and read it in, in the original language, there's only two words that follow and God said. There's only two words, and, that, and here's those two words. Light be. That's, what it, that's the way it reads in the original. Light be. Uh, that's all it is. When, uh, when God speaks, he speaks with authority. Right? This same thing was said about Jesus in Mark chapter 1. It says, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had what? Authority. And then they add that little addendum there, not like the scribes. <laughs> you know, he, he taught like somebody with, a, with, with authority. Anybody remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? Anybody remember? What were they famous for? When E.F. When e. Hutton talks, people listen. <laughs> people listen. You know, you saw these commercials that, you know, if E.F. Hutton's name pops up and all of a sudden everything stops and everybody's listening. Well, you know what? No created being commands that type of authority. None. But when God speaks, it's different. Because when God speaks, all of creation sits up at an attention, at attention because God alone has that ultimate authority. He says it, and it happens. And all of this is effortless, okay, for Elohim, it's for God. It is all effortless. All he had to do was speak, and what he said came into existence. One commentator, again, says that uh, God does not, and, and I like this description. He said, God does not jerk creation into existence, but speaks it gently into existence. So, so how many's ever heard of, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but how many's ever heard of the Big Bang Theory? Yeah, most everybody, the Big Bang Theory. And basically, you know, that's kind of the idea. It, there was this massive chaotic explosion that flung particles uh, across this spanse of universe that continues to expand. And it just kind of, you know, just popped into kind of jerky. What he says here is God, God doesn't jerk creation into existence. He speaks it because <laughs> he has that authority. He just speaks it. Again, contrary to all the other accounts of the universe's origin, the God of Genesis did not put extraordinary effort into creating or fighting another God for control. He simply spoke it and it came to be. That's it. He just spoke it and it came to be. Uh, Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. How did he create it? He opened his mouth. That's it. Isaiah 55, 11 reminds us that God's word will always accomplish the purpose that he sends it forth. He said, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing in which I sent it. So, so that holds over in the New Testament. I, I always use this example, but Peter, when he sees Jesus coming in the, in the fourth watch of the night, you know, and, he, and, and the storm's been raging, and, and they see Jesus, and they think it's a ghost, and, and Peter says, hey, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, I, you know, bid me to come out to you on the water. And what did Jesus say? One word, come. That's a rhema word. He spoke it. You know what happened? That one word enabled Peter to do what could not be done. How, how did it happen? God spoke it. That, that's it. He spoke it. And Peter acted on what God said. And he was able to do what no other human in history outside of Christ has ever been able to do. So when God settles it, or excuse me, when God says it, that settles it. So again, as we move forward into 2024, this book is filled with great and precious promises of God. He spoke them. How many of them do we hang on to? How many of them do we anchor? 7,487 positive promises of God in the Bible. That's why the psalmist said, I will hide his word in my heart so that I might not sin against him. Let's look at the last thing here, light. Verse 3 says, and there was light. So, so here's what happened. God declared it and it was done. 
He spoke it, it happened, king over chaos. He spoke his word, and the world was created. John 1.14 tells us that the word was Jesus, through whom God created the world. So, so again, you want to talk about the foundation, the Trinity is seen in creation. The, the first messianic promise is given in Genesis 3.15. So it is a foundation. If, if, if my foundation is not right down the road, I'm going to have some issues. Genesis is an important thing. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And, and again, let me just kind of give you literally what it would read in the original, and, and it's not that lengthy. You know, we, we read it, let there be light, and there was light. It literally says, light be, and light was. That's all, that's all it says. Light be, and light was. That's, I like that. I actually like that rendering there. I like that. Psalm 33, 9 says, For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. What I'm saying is we, get, we have to get excited because God's spoken. God's spoken to us. Every once in a while I have somebody, Pastor, I need a word from the Lord. I'm like, you got 66 books. Pick, take your pick. You have 66. I'm not, I'm not discounting words of knowledge and wisdom, things like that, and, you know, spiritual guidance or whatever. But, but you understand, we, you know, we live in a world, we want silver bullets, right? We, we always want a quick fix. And sometimes discipline is important. Sometimes we need to dig it out. Sometimes we need to tarry and wait. You know, we don't talk about that in the modern church today. You know, I grew up in a time where people talked about tarrying service. Anybody ever heard the term tarrying services? Tarry before the Lord, you know, wait on the Lord. You don't hear much about that anymore, but there was something to be said about it. You know, he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood still. You know, and it's interesting. It's not, it's not surprising that God's first creative act was to provide light because there can be no visibility or viability in life without light. How many has ever planted a garden and you got it too close to the shade tree? It didn't do very well, did it? Even though there's some ambient light, there, there, there are some plants. If you, go buy, if you go buy some flowers as we uh, move into the spring uh, pretty next week, um, Not quite, but you, you understand, we're in Texas. It could be, it's going to be summertime tomorrow. <laughs> if you buy a potted plant, they're going to have a sticker in there, a little, little thing stuck in there, and it's going to tell you a little bit about that plant. And one of the things it will tell you is it likes full sun or partial shade, but most things don't do well in the dark. Don't do well. Again, it's not surprising because God created. We need light to see and we need light to live. Without light, there can be no order. Can you imagine how chaotic it would be if we didn't have lights? I, I was watching a show the other day and they were talking about, uh, you know, we do mission trips. And the year of COVID, we were supposed to, our team, we were supposed to go to Iceland. We actually were going to be working uh, at a campground there in Iceland. And in Iceland in July... They call that the month of the, uh, how, how do they phrase that? The month of the unending sun. It never gets dark. I was talking to a missionary, and he said, yeah, he said, we have teams that will come in, they'll work. It gets their circadian rhythm off. They'll, they'll be working, and he said, and they might go sightseeing at 2 a.m. Because the sun's still up. And I'm like, oh, I better wear, I got to have duct tape and, you know, I, <laughs> I got to go sleep, you know. <laughs> but, but, the, but the other side is true, too. There are places on earth right now that probably two months ago went dark. And they won't see light until April, May. Light's important. Light's important. There are people that struggle during the wintertime. Depression is highest in the wintertime. Because the sun is less. You know, some people have questioned, well, how could God create light on the first day when the Bible says he didn't create the sun and the moon and the stars until the fourth day? Well, duh. The Bible says that 
God himself is the light, right? Isn't that what it says? 1 John 1, 5. 1 John 1, 5. And then Jesus, uh, John 8, 12, says that he's the light of the world. He doesn't need the heavenly lights. He is the light. In fact, look at Revelation, right? There was no need of the light. Why? Because he's the light. He's the light. One translation of Psalm 76, 4 says, you are resplendent with light. I don't know what that means, but that's what it says. <laughs> You're resplendent with light. Revelation 21, uh, verse 23, again, tells us that the new heaven and the new earth, the city of Jerusalem, New Jerusalem will have a holy light source. It says, and the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives light, and its lamp is the lamp. That's what happened here. When God said, let there be light, God's glory shattered the darkness. Remember, light drives out darkness, not the other way around. I I say this every time I talk about something like this. Go home tonight, do do the experiment, go into your bedroom, turn your light on, go in the bathroom, turn the light off, shut the door. Open the door real fast and see what happens. Does the darkness of the bathroom rush out and drown out the light? No, the light rushes in and illuminates the darkness. The glory of God shone at creation. When God says it, that settles it. It, Look at this, and and let me just run through a few verses. Verse 3, let there be light. This is God's decree. Let there be light, and there was. Let there be an expanse, verses 6 and 7, and it was so. Verse 9, let the waters under the heavens be gathered, and it was so. See the pattern? Verse 11, let the earth sprout, and it was so. Verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse, and it was so. Verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures, and it was so. And it was so. He spoke, and with the span of his hand, the stars filled the universe. It's amazing to me astronomy, how vast this universe is. You know, they say that the Milky Way, the galaxy that we live in, is hundreds of thousands of light years. A light year is, it's even beyond comprehension. Light travels at 186,000 miles a second. That's fast. It's faster than a Ford. And yet, millions, hundreds of thousands, millions of light years away. And yet, God, with his spoken word, decreed it. And there it was. He spoke, and the birds began to fly. He spoke into this model of clay. He spoke and breathed life, and he made us. After creating all of creation, it's, if, it's, if, it's as if God stepped back and kind of looked at what he had done. And, and it's almost like he broke out into a benediction because uh, verse 4 says, And God saw that the light was good. It was good. What does that mean? It's, it's, a, it's a rich word, the word good, in this context. It means pleasant, appealing, right. It was Right. When God spoke and these things came to be, the light burst forth. It was pleasant and appealing. After creating uh, humans, you think about it. How many have seen some beautiful places on earth? If you've traveled to any, there's some really remarkable places. Uh, I enjoy uh, getting, you know, traveling as, as I do. I've seen wonderful places uh, that just will blow your mind. You know, it's interesting, no matter how much we invest and build, this, this building right here has been around since 1976. It's well built. It's, it's, a, it's a solid structure. But you know what? It will eventually break down. It, 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 will, it will break down. Humans have created some beautiful buildings, some marvelous artwork, some great music, landscaping, bridges, things like that. But ultimately... Time will take it down. It will rust. It will break down. It will fall apart. Because God is light, God created. And 
I don't, I don't want to, I'm not even going to say that. God created a divide. Verse 4, God created a divide between light and darkness in the second half there. He says, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, the word separate means to set apart. It's the word we get for sanctify. Sanctify. Again, that's another thing we don't hear a lot of, being sanctified. But the Bible says we're to come out from among the world and do what? We're to be separate. We're sanctified. We're set apart. So God set apart light and darkness. Uh, the principle of separation, again, is, is all throughout Scripture. Abraham was to separate from Ur. The church is to separate from the world. Believers are to separate from sin. It's a concept that's woven throughout Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us that as believers, we are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our job is to proclaim his excellency because we've been set apart to do that. God pronounces, in fact, not only have we been called to do that, but God pronounces judgment on those who, who juxtapose or who, who, who try to set apart, you know, on the same level, the distinctions that are made. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those, again, who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And in today, this flipped upside down world that we live in, that's exactly what we see. That's why, uh, you know, I'm doing this series. I'm just wanting to go back, give some rudimentary principles of the, of, of the faith that we believe that our destiny, uh, we believe that our history, our future is anchored in the truth of God's word from beginning. In the beginning, Genesis is the beginning. And from that point on, we see, listen, if I, don't, if I believe I'm nothing more than, than some, you know, an uh, amoeba that crawled out of this primordial soup, you know, millions, billions of years ago and, and got, grew legs and swung from trees and what, whatever, I have no value. Have you noticed today that human life is of little value to a lot of people? It, it really, it does, it does bother me. It's because they haven't been exposed to the, or they have suppressed the truth, as Romans says. And the truth is we were born on purpose, with purpose. That's it. Genesis says it was a divine, creative act of God that gave all of this. In the beginning, God created. He took the, 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 the void, the darkness, the chaos. He hovered over it with his spirit. He began to decree and declare and will things, and it all came into being, and he made this beautiful place. In ancient, you know, it's interesting, in the ancient Near i got to hurry up. In the ancient Near East, to name something was a mark of ownership, okay? So, so uh, in the Old Testament, kings often had the, or actually kings had the, sovereign right to assign names, okay? They had that right because of their position. You know what? God exercises his naming rights as king of the universe. Verse 5 said, God called the light day, and he called the night, or excuse me, called the darkness night. He named it. He called it that. He had the right to say what it was. To call means to summon or to declare, it's kind of like how stadiums, football stadiums or sports arenas, you know, they sell naming rights, right? You know, it's like you might have the Frito Bowl or, you know, or whatever. Uh, they, they pay a lot of They'd probably be Lay's, probably wouldn't be Frito. <laughs> but but they, they pay a lot of money for naming rights. Um, they want to name the stadium. I mean, our own Cowboy Stadium. You know, it used to be Cowboy Stadium. Now it's, uh, what do they call it? AT&T Stadium. That's where some of my monthly payment goes. <laughs> they bought the right to name it. Well, you know what? God owns everything, so he had the right. He had the right to name it. In the, in the Hebrew, the word day signifies warmth and heat, and night literally means rolling up. That's kind of rolling up. I, uh, I, I've got to hurry. I'm, I'm running out of time. Let me, let me just bring this in for a landing. We could spend a lot of time. I love, I've taught through this first 11 chapters several years ago. It took me 13 weeks. As a gift to his creation, God designed and determined a 24-hour rhythm. A 24-hour rhythm. Verse 5 says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. In the Hebrew world, a new day began when? Anybody Remember? When the sun went down, 
when the sun went down. That started a new day. Uh, and again, I would just say the Bible is very clear. God ordained 24, uh, a literal 24 hours, and I believe that God created this world in literally six 24-hour periods of time. I, I, that's what I believe. If it's not so, I still believe Jesus died for me, and I can ask him when I get there. When you wake up in the morning, I'm going to close. Consider this. Every morning, day one is created all over again. Think about it. What is that? The darkest hour is just before the dawn. So imagine when you wake up in the morning, if you get up pre-dawn, imagine, imagine that being, of course, it's, it wouldn't be a great illustration because we've got city lights and we have stars, but, but just think. As that sun comes up, it's like, it's like creation all over again. God said, light be, light was. That sun begins to burst over the horizon. That's, that's a little bit of a glimpse of what happened long ago. Sometimes we live, I'm going I'm to bring it down and close with this. Sometimes, again, we, we can live in, we, we live in this world, and maybe our world right now is filled with darkness. And I, I wanted to point out early on when I talked about him hovering over, that, that's where I want to land tonight. Because I know there are people, and maybe there are people that are watching online tonight, that right now maybe your life is disconnected. Maybe it's disordered. Maybe there's some chaos going on in your life, and you kind of feel lifeless. Maybe you feel void. Maybe you feel the darkness. And I just want you to know that the God of creation who hovered over that emptiness and voidness of creation, who spoke and decreed and it all came to be, is the same God who is hovering over us. The Bible says that like a mother hen, he gathers the chicks under her wings. I want you to hear that tonight, that no matter how chaotic life is right now, how dark life is right now, how tough things are right now, God is not somewhere out in the cosmos looking down saying, well, I hope they do okay. His spirit is hovering. He's hovering. And not only is the spirit of God hovering over us, the Bible says that we have an advocate and we have an intercessor. Christ is seated right now as our advocate and he's interceding on our behalf. And if that's going on for us, if we know that, then how can we lose? How can the darkness overwhelm us? When God said, let there be, when he said, light be, boom, it was. And it was a, whoosh. he can do that in an instant in our chaos. Won't you stand with me tonight as we close in prayer? Sometimes we can get bogged down in the, in the creation story, but I want us to find Jesus there. I want us to find the activity of the Spirit there because it's important. The Bible says that through Christ, all things are made that were made, and without him there's nothing made that was made. All of the, the Godhead, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, were all involved in the creation, and they're all involved in our day-to-day lives. And if you're struggling tonight, just remember the picture of him hovering over you. Again, God's doing 10,000 things in our lives right now, and we may only see three. So if you don't see him in that particular area, don't think that God's abandoned you. Don't think that God's uh, turned his back on you or cast you out or forgotten about you. Don't think like that. Just know that there's 9,997 other things that he's doing that you can't see. I want us to close in prayer. And if you'll bow with me this evening as we, as we close. I just want to ask, and, and again, I want to end on that point. I want to ask if you're here tonight and say, you know what, Pastor, I am, I am having those dark times. I'm having some chaos. There's some void in my life. There's some emptiness in my life. I kind of relate to what you're talking about. And that imagery, it, it does help me. It brings encouragement to know that, that God's not inactive and unconcerned, that he's actually hovering by his spirit over my chaos and my darkness and my emptiness. And at any moment, God can speak, and the darkness has to leave. If you're here tonight, and if you're online, I want you to comment. I'll pray with you. But if you're here tonight, say, Pastor, pray for me tonight. 
I'm really struggling in some of those areas. I've got some things in my life that are very chaotic. You know, you talk about the Peter and the ship being tossed about. That's the way I feel right now. Well, he's still hovering. He's still near. If that's you, just slip your hand right up right back down. I want to pray with you tonight as we close. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online tonight, if you'll comment, I want, we will pray with you as well. Father, tonight I love you and I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the creation story. Lord, it is part of the fabric of our existence. It is the foundation upon which all of our faith is built. It rests upon that. In the beginning, God. Lord, we establish that you are from everlasting to everlasting. And I pray tonight that, uh, Lord, I know we just we talked about a lot of a lot of things, but Lord, may we see that, Lord, you decreed it, it happened. You willed it, it came to be. Lord, just like you spoke things into existence that did not exist. Lord, you can speak into our emptiness. Lord, you can speak into our chaos. You can speak into our, our darkness. Lord, you can call those things that be not as though they were. Lord, you can call us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Father, I pray for the hands that went up in the building tonight and those that might be online tonight that, Lord, find themselves in some very difficult times. Lord, I just ask that you would help us to have the imagery of you hovering through your spirit over us. Lord, in anticipation of that moment when light will burst forth into our darkness. Lord, thank you for the light. Thank you that light illuminates the darkness and that when we go through the deep, dark valleys of life, we have no need to fear because you are with us always. Now, Father, I pray you'll give us a wonderful night. Take us out of here. May we find sweet rest tonight. May we rest soundly and peacefully. And when we wake up in the morning, Lord, I ask you to bless our time of outreach as we distribute food tomorrow. Let us be light. Lord, put a spring in our step and a joy, uh, a song in our heart, Lord. And may we recognize that we are light that shines in the darkness of people that we come in contact with. Bring us again on Sunday, should you tarry. Bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And even now, ordain what you're going to do. I love and I bless each one now in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.